and welcome to this week's podcast version of Scripps 5 Must Know Things, this time for the business week ended 25th March 2022. This is Ian Haydock. This week, Novartis builds Radio Ligand Therapy franchise, BMS pioneers new checkpoint inhibitors, Russian CRO leader tries to keep Ukraine trials going, Indian farmer and celebrity endorsement, and how R&D spend compares to 10 years ago. Novartis is building out a new commercial footprint and expanding its internal manufacturing capacity ahead of an important launch in prostate cancer, as the company looks to strengthen one of its four key oncology pillars, radioligand therapy. The company announced the US FDA approval of Pluvicto on 23rd March for the treatment of adult patients with metastatic, prostate-specific, membrane-antigen-positive metastatic castration-resistant prostate cancer. These patients have already been treated with androgen receptor inhibitors and taxane-based chemotherapy. The FDA simultaneously approved a companion imaging agent, Locamets, to identify PSMA-positive lesions. The approval of Pluvicto represents a culmination of several years of research on the nuclear medicines technology acquired by Novartis in 2018, with the $3.9 billion purchase of advanced accelerator applications. Novartis already launched one drug from the platform, Lutathera for a niche cancer, somatostatin receptor-positive gastroenteropancreatic neuroendocrine tumours, but the company's long-range goal has always been expansion to larger indications. Ahead of the approval, oncology president Suzanne Shafford talked to Scripps' Jessica Merrill, about the plans for launching the radioligand therapy for prostate cancer in the US and Europe in 2022. Blue Victo is also under review in Japan. We have big plans, she said, referring not only to the initial prostate cancer indication, but also the future expansion into earlier lines of therapy. It's the second largest cancer in men, and it's still a very prominent disease where you have 1.3 million global cases every year, Shafford said. Bayer markets a radioactive drug, Zofigo, for the treatment of prostate cancer that has metastasized to the bones but not to other parts of the body, but the product has run up against some challenges after a safety issue emerged in a clinical trial when used with Johnson & Johnson's prostate cancer drug, Zytiga. Launching a radioligand therapy involves specific commercial challenges since nuclear medicines can only be administered in certain medical centres and require training as well as manufacturing and production considerations. That's partly why Shafford believes Novartis is one of the few big farmers investing in the area. The Swiss company is confident that it has established the right network of medical centres to administer Pluvicto in the US through the relationships it has built for Lutathera. The company is working with 250 nuclear medicine centres in the country and 450 globally. The US FDA approval of Bristol-Myers Squibb's third class of checkpoint inhibitor, the LAG3 blocker Bilatlimab, in a fixed-dose combination with Opdivo for unresectable or metastatic melanoma, is a crucial win in the hyper-competitive immuno-oncology space. The product, branded Opdualag, also offers BMS some protection against Opdivo's US patent expiration in 2028, and while it could be a modest near-term blow to competitor Merck & Co in melanoma, 
it is likely a positive signal for rivals long-term, Joseph Haas writes. Opduralag is a fixed-dose combination of Opidivo 480mg and Rilatlimab 160mg, intended as a single infusion in patients 12 and older with advanced melanoma. BMS has set a wholesale acquisition cost it said was in line with other immuno-oncology regimens approved for cancer. During investor presentations prior to the US FDA approval, BMS executives have said they see the main opportunity for Opduralag in advanced melanoma patients who otherwise might receive checkpoint inhibitor monotherapy, which could be Opidivo or Merck's anti-PD-1 blockbuster Keytruda. We see the opportunity for Rilatlimab to really go after that third of the market, which is single-agent PD-1 therapy, Chief Commercialization Officer Christopher Berner said about the combo during BMS's fourth quarter 2021 earnings call on 4th February. Remember that Obduralag is two products in one vial, and so we think the opportunity to offer those patients dual IO therapy in a fixed-dose combination offers a significant improvement over single-agent monotherapy. Latlimab is the first of three significant novel drug approvals BMS is counting on this year, as it looks to portfolio additions to help offset US patent expirations this decade. Mevacamten for obstructive hereditary cardiomyopathy has a 28th April FDA action date, while TYK2 inhibitor Ucravacitinib has a 10th September action date for psoriasis. While the world watches in horror at Russia's intensifying assault on Ukraine, a small number of biopharma and contract research organisation personnel in the country are trying to maintain care for people who have taken part in clinical trials, and are even trying to ensure some can remain in studies. One man attempting to keep the lights on amid the devastation is Vlad Bogin, who's CEO of Chromos Pharma, a mid-sized CRO which specialises in overseeing trials in Central and Eastern Europe, including Russia and Ukraine. Born and raised in Moscow, Bogin left Russia to study medicine in the US in the 1990s, undertaking his training at Yale and Rochester, and by 2004 he had set up Kromos Pharma. Bogin has seen the situation deteriorate rapidly in Ukraine since the invasion began on 24th February, with most trial participants inevitably having to suspend their involvement, and many big pharma companies having announced a halt to studies and enrolment in both Ukraine and Russia. This is not only because of the conflict, but also financial sanctions that have frozen systems for paying staff and investigators. While the war is hitting Kromos's business hard, Bogin's concern is first and foremost for patients and Kromos personnel in Ukraine most of whom work in its city centre location in the capital, Kiev. I am keeping in touch with my friends and colleagues in Kiev, who are now sitting in bomb shelters. It's absolutely heartbreaking, he told Scripps Andrew McConaughey on a Zoom call from Chromos's headquarters in Portland, Oregon. He does not hesitate to criticise Vladimir Putin's invasion as absolutely mindless, senseless criminal, even while Russia, along with Ukraine, represents about 40% of his company's business. Clinical trial research has been a booming business in Eastern and Central Europe in recent years, with Russia and Ukraine becoming particularly attractive locations for studies, with large populations and highly centralised medical systems which make trial recruitment and administration more efficient than in some other more established locations. 
New analysis from clinical trial data analytics firm FACI shows that 2,911, or 4.4% of locations carrying out core global trials work, were based in Ukraine and Russia, with the majority Phase 3 studies. Even in these dark times, Bogin is looking ahead to rebuilding as soon as the conflict is over, and in the meantime, Kromos will stay in Ukraine by creating satellite offices in places like Lviv, in the far west of the country, if necessary. We want to restart, and I'm hoping that the world community will be supportive of this as soon as it's feasible, he said. From sportspersons to film stars and other influencers, Pharma in India is upping the glitz and glam to drive home the message around products and specific disease conditions. Andrew Gangodi writes that while celebrity endorsement or messaging isn't really new in the sector in the country, there's been a noticeable uptick over the recent past and the exponential rise and power of social media has added innovative dimensions to such marketing reach, albeit amid growing compliance scrutiny. Several frontline companies, including GSK Pharmaceuticals, Cipla, Lupin, Sun Pharmaceutical, Glenmark, Sanofi India and Piramal Group, have or are tapping celebrity messaging, with social media giving these campaigns wings to fly. Online platforms experience substantial user activity related to the pandemic, with a staggering 1 billion plus mentions globally from November 2019 to May 2020, IQVIA has indicated. Most pharma companies in India don't appear keen to get drawn into these specifics, such as return on investment, and regulatory or compliance issues around celebrity and influencer engagements. But from vaccination to asthma and heart disease to skin ailments, stars are promoting awareness and drawing in eyeballs. GlaxoSmithKline Pharmaceuticals, whose latest campaign around combination vaccines features former India cricket captain Mahendra Singh Dhoni, said that celebrity endorsement to help raise awareness about vaccination and vaccine-preventable diseases has been used very effectively in the past, as seen in the Indian government's polo vaccination campaign with Amitabh Bachchan, who's a major Indian cinema star. The GSK campaign is running across multiple media formats, including on TV, digital videos on YouTube, a website, and at paediatricians' clinics. There is, of course, no direct reference in the campaign to GSK's Infanrix Hexa, its vaccine. But measuring return on investment and the real impact of celebrity campaigns may be less straightforward and involves the interplay of many factors, experts indicated, though it's no secret that the star campaigners come at a huge price. Some Indian star cricketers command basic fees of $1.05 million to about $1.8 million for a campaign, one advertising industry executive tells Scrip. And besides celebrity endorsement, models have evolved from straight-up endorsement deals to innovative partnering structures, including equity deals and royalty plans in some other sectors, he added. GSK India explained that all awareness campaigns are developed with the sole objective of raising awareness about diseases and modes of prevention, including vaccination, that may benefit the patient or consumer. Such campaigns are public awareness initiatives, Hence, ROI as a metric is not measured, the company noted. The UK-based multinational added that to gauge the success of such campaigns, metrics like increase in awareness, decrease in barriers, relatability, positive follow-up actions, etc. 
are measured through market research. Finally, the top biopharma companies are spending more on R&D than they did 10 years ago as a percentage of sales. But even with investment, R&D productivity will not offset a looming patent cliff that begins in 2023, when AbbVie will lose US exclusivity for Humira and peaks in the 2025-26 period, according to a report from consulting firm EY. Spending on R&D as a percentage of sales by the top 25 biopharma companies increased from an average of 14.4% in 2010 to 16.8% in 2021, based on data from 30th June, EY said. In an infographic article, Jessica Merrill reports that increased investment in more expensive biologic drugs and technologies like gene therapy as well as a focus on more challenging therapeutic areas like Alzheimer's disease, is driving the rising cost of R&D, according to the report, which was titled How Ecosystems Can Help Fill the Life Sciences Innovation Gap. The lower-hanging fruits for research were picked over the last couple of decades. Now the targets are much tougher and much more difficult to tame, EY partner Arda Ural said in an interview. With many of the drugs launching for rare diseases and niche oncology indications, there have been generally fewer fast commercial winners. More new drugs are also being launched independently by smaller biopharma companies, driven partly by the rich financing environment for biotechs in recent years and the fact that many new drugs for small, targeted indications do not require a large commercial infrastructure. Novartis and Takeda are the only two of the top 10 pharma companies that reduced R&D spending as a percentage of sales in 2021 compared to 2011. Roche, Merck & Co, Bristol-Myers Squibb and Pfizer were the heaviest spenders in 2021 on a percentage of sales basis, with all four companies spending more than 23% of sales on R&D investment. That's all for this time. Thanks for listening. A reminder that these stories in full and many more are available by logging into Scrip to access all of our content. And if you're not already a subscriber, do set up a free trial to see what you're missing. Bye for now.